eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay. All right. This is I Hate the Fins episode eight, I think. We never know how many episodes we've done. We're under the Finsider uh, radio podcast umbrella network. That's Star Now. We've been under them since, and we've been doing this since about September or so. Pleased to be with them. We're pleased to have you with us. Kind of a big week for the Dolphins. Uh, in addition to staying alive in that AFC wildcard playoff chase in the hunt, as a lot of people like to say, uh, you can make the case that 25, 50 years from now, whenever people are on tablets or whatever uh, future gadgetry people are using to read about NFL history, and they're reading about the Miami Dolphins, chances are that win last Sunday is going to be in the books. It's going to be documented there. That was huge. And not just because it's over the Patriots. I mean, who are, I mean, right now I would say are, well, I don't know. People will call her the Jets our most hated rival, but I feel like the, the Patriots are the team I hate the most. It's over a team uh, that has had Miami's number as long as they're not playing in South Florida. We'll talk about that too. But I mean, just the sheer improbability of went down what went down last Sunday. Uh, I think is maybe escaped some people. I know I keep watching that clip of that that double lateral that Miami ran to eventually, you know, eventually win that game. Uh, and you just keep thinking, like, oh, you know, what if he gets caught there? Like, it, like the results going to change after you watch the video eighty times. Uh, it was unbelievable. It's a great moment in Dolphins history. It's something I think that will certainly live on in infamy for the new New England Patriots, which is also delicious to be on the um, the uh, hand that administers that kind of uh, fate, as opposed to you know the receiving end of it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and as I mentioned, a game that looked lost. Miami down 33-28. Uh, suddenly, this team is uh, right back in it. Unfortunately, Indianapolis w- won a game they weren't supposed to win 
on Sunday. They beat Houston, who hasn't lost since I feel like September, probably. I think actually I think that is the case. They haven't lost since September. So that goes down. Denver loses to San Francisco. I don't think many people saw that coming. Denver was on a hot streak. So things are getting weird in the AFC right now. And you got a game coming up on Thursday night where the Chiefs and uh the Chiefs are I, I mean the place they're at, I mean, they should have the AFC West bought and paid for, but LA is right behind them. Those teams go at it on Thursday. So you get your rare Thursday night game that's actually exciting. So that's fun. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, we'll mention some, like, we're kind of, I wouldn't say hesitant, but we don't want to get into the quarterback, drafting a quarterback talk just yet on this show. It's fun to go ahead and explore a lot of scenarios. I mean, we talk about this because this is I hate the fins. Uh, we like to look at, um, you know, draft prospects. We like to look at the guys who could, you know, make sense as Miami Dolphins prospects, guys who could be wearing a Miami Dolphins hat on draft night, you know, come April. So we'll touch a little bit on that too, guys we like. Uh, we're going to have a separate show where we'll do our uh, our sort of bowl preview now that those games are have been identified. That's a fun thing because we love college football on this show as well. Uh, but we'll start with the obvious. And let me introduce, I'm mean, sorry, that was awfully long-winded, but my usual co-host, Zach, who's a little bit under the weather tonight, so I appreciate him still joining me, especially out on the East Coast, so you're at a, a later hour. Uh, just the sheer ridiculousness of that game and everything, but can you put it in perspective how you felt watching that just against a team that the Dolphins typically struggle against a team that everyone in the league struggles against just really pulling that win out of nowhere and all of a sudden i mean you're back in it it's you've gone from now you're, you're playing for a draft pick to you're trying to get in you're trying to solidify your place in that wild card hunt can you just kind of tell us how you were able to wrap your head around what went down on a sunday afternoon yeah, so unfortunately, I I had to run errands and do some things for work, so I didn't get to sit down and watch watch the game. Uh, but I had it rolling on ESPN the whole time, and every time I got the alert that was you know the Dolphins scored again, I was like, okay, like offense is happening today. Like this is a good day for offense to happen. Um, you know, defense is trying to do what they can do, um, especially with X not playing um, and how they've been in rough shape all year. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised with that. And then I forget what I was, what my, my task was at the moment. Um, and I, I looked and saw there was seven seconds left and the Pats scored or kicked a field goal or whatever. Um, and the Dolphins had the ball back and I was like, oh, F it, like it's over. Um, unfortunately, I went into like good old Dolphins fan mode and, you know, just kind of moved on with the rest of my day. And I got done doing my laundry like 45 minutes later um, and I was at the laundromat and I saw the score on the bottom. I was like, wait, they won? And so I, I checked Twitter and I started to see the video and I was like, the Pats really shit the bed on this one. <laughs> um, like as amazing as that play was by the Dolphins, like none of them did anything special. You know, like everybody just did what they needed to do, which sometimes doesn't happen for Miami, um, which is a plus. But in the in the end of the day, like Kenny Stills made a catch, Pat's player missed a tackle, pitched it to Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker knew his option was either run, and when it wasn't there, it was pitched to Kenyon Drake. Then once Drake got it, another Patriot 
missed a tackle. And then he just kept going. And Ted Larson made the one block that he finally needed to ever make, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I'll give him credit for that one block. Um, he showed up when and he then like, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he'll miss 50 other ones, but whatever. Um, but, and then like, Gronk being back there is is the dumbest thing that Bill Belichick's done probably since I started watching and really caring about the Dolphins. Um, so like, and like, if you thought Gronk was gonna catch Kenyon Drake, that that's insane. Not not just quoting forty times, but like when you get to that level of any career, if you are designated as this and this is what your job is and they ask you to do you know if you're in marketing and then they ask you to go and you know run an event or you know do some sort of you know uh cpa finance stuff like you're not gonna know what the f you're doing like he's not gonna take a good angle he's not gonna make it happen um i don't care how athletic you are um and also, once he did the math and realized that it was going to be a 69-yard touchdown, he had to let it go in. Right. Gronk can't stop 69. <laughs> no, he can't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, so the best thing about that, my favorite moment during that that absolute circus-type play is when Drake starts to cut inside from the sideline, and he's like ready to lateral it, and he's looking around, and then he realizes that no Patriots are near him. And he was like, well, screw it. I'm just going to keep going. It was almost like he was ready yeah. to toss that thing away. And then he looked around and he was like, oh, never mind." He was like, I can't believe what these guys are giving me right now. So, yeah, like I said, it, it, as much as I'd love to chalk it up to the Dolphins, you know, making a miraculous play, like miracles are also part mistakes on other people's part. Very you know? true. Well, speaking of mistakes, that's not the only one New England made in that game. Very unpatriots like play at the end of the first half when Tom Brady takes a sack with no timeouts and the clock runs out and they're I mean they're deep in the red zone at that point. I mean the fact that they didn't come come away with at least three points that that's just something New England doesn't do. So I didn't understand that at all. That was highly confusing, almost to the fact like you have to look down at the at the ticker and be like, hey, this is I mean this is the Patriots, right? I mean this isn't some other team. Because, I mean, that's just, you don't see that from Bill Belichick. You don't see that from Tom Brady. I mean, that's a ball he throws away every time. Every time except that time. Yeah, I mean, you, I don't know what happened there. I don't know what the communication mishap was. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that both of those guys should be smart enough to to know what the situation is. Um, I mean, I I think there is part it's a very tiny part in Brady's mind that realizes what his record is in Miami. Um, you think that the, and, that the, uh, the supposed curse is you think it's in his head. I, I think there's a piece in his head that knows like, look like our team, especially this year, isn't what it typically is. So like we need to make plays and make big plays. And, and when the dolphins were hanging around the whole time, like, I don't want to say that he was cocky because I'm sure he walked in there and he treats every game like, you know, it's no, no games that give me in the NFL, but like they've dominated the division so long that like it gets to a point where it's like, okay, 
you know, it's this should be ours. Like this game has to be ours. And when they, the Dolphins were hanging around, I think it causes a little panic for them when they're in Miami because they know those statistics in the back of their mind. Um, you know, again, I don't think it's like the huge overall determining factor, but at the end of the day, um, it's human nature to think about those silly things. I mean, it's what fifth loss in six tries. I want to say because yeah. they they got him in Miami. I, I want to say it was Gase's first year, twenty sixteen. So, but outside mm. outside of that though, because I'm trying to think back, I remember at the end of the 2013 season, the Dolphins got him in Miami. In 2014, that's when the season opened in Miami. That was like when they blocked, yeah. they blocked a punt and everything. That game was a beatdown, the rare beatdown of the yeah. Pats. Uh, and then, um, yeah, and then 15 was when they they screwed the Pats out of home field advantage, advantage, advantage through the uh, playoffs and. Um, Brady ended up having to go to Denver, which is another place he never wins. And yeah. they lost yeah. that game. So, I mean, this is, uh, it's more than, it's not a coincidence at this point. I mean, he, I, I don't know if people have asked him about it. I haven't heard his comments if they have, but it's clearly a place he's not comfortable playing. And it's really amazing with how many Super Bowls they've been to, you know, eight, I think, uh, that they haven't played one in South Florida. Yeah, that's that's true. Because um, I mean, what what was the last one? It was the the Bears and Colts, right? Uh, it was uh, the Saints and Colts. I think was in South Florida, wasn't it? It was. It was one of those two. Yeah, um, I want to say. I just. It was the the rainy one, right? Mm-hmm. The rain. Yeah, that must have been the the Saints Colt one. The rainy one was when Chicago was in it because that was uh, after the <laughs> 2006 season, but. Like the, the was that one in Tampa? No, Tampa was um Pittsburgh and uh, Arizona was in Tampa, and then hmm. um I, I like if we go down the list like Arizona and Pittsburgh was in Tampa, and then um let's see here and then uh twenty ten man my I think my brain just melted for a second there that was actually kind of scary and then uh yeah so I want to say that was in South Florida, but anyway. Um, it's been a while and a lot of that was because the NFL was threatening to take it away because I remember Joe Robbie didn't have HD approved lighting. That was a thing, right? Yep. And then it turned yep. into this whole thing. And then, I mean, we saw the whole thing, the whole, uh, circus with trying to get the, uh, stadium renovations done. They tried to go ahead and get it funded that got shot down. So he, Ross goes and funds the whole thing himself. And then, um, I think because the Super Bowl I, next year is in South Florida, right? Isn't it like Super Bowl 54? Uh, 20, the 2021, yeah, because this will be the 2019 one. Yeah, because this one's in Atlanta at that, uh, yeah, that ridiculous uh, monstrosity that they, they built to replace the Georgia Dome. So, um, and it's late, and usually my, my memory is better, but... Um, yeah, so I mean, he's managed to to miss those Super Bowls. I remember they went to the AFC Championship game of the year when it was rainy, and that was in South Florida, and the Bears and Colts played because that was when they blew that twenty three twenty one to three lead to Indianapolis in Indianapolis. So yeah, which was delicious to watch at the time, even though I didn't like the Colts either. But you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So <clears throat> all that's to say that it's 
it's not a coincidence that Tom Brady struggles when he's in Miami and when he's in Denver. For some reason, I don't know what it is, but he just he, even when he plays well, and I mean like his numbers from from that game are pretty stupid, all things considered, considering the season he's had, really. So yeah. Outside of that horrible miscue at the end of the first half, I mean, like you, you look at him and he plays a good game. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it what it is about hard rock that's a snake pit for that guy but it's certainly the case and we're, we're fortunate that that it is that way so as i mentioned dolphins in the hunt right now they're fighting it out with a bunch of teams for that sixth seed in there because i mean that fifth seed is absolutely going to someone in the afc west which seems ridiculous because mm-hmm. i mean the chargers have what three losses right now and uh yeah they're a 10 win team yeah and kansas city has two losses one of those teams is going to be a five seed i mean right now Mm -hmm. you're looking at at kansas city i mean they're in the driver's seat i mean and they always beat the chargers their record against la slash san diego as of late is is ridiculously one-sided so Mm -hmm. but i mean like i like i mentioned on the show before i have money on the chargers to win the super bowl this year so come on chargers but so that's going to be interesting. And then you've got teams fighting it out for that sixth spot. I think, I mean, Indianapolis is, I think Indianapolis is in there right now, aren't they? Or is it still Baltimore? I can't remember. Uh-uh. I think, I think Baltimore technically has the the slight advantage um, based off of some sort of tiebreaker. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I'm pretty sure it's Baltimore, Indy, uh, Miami, and Denver. The Titans still have that that one. I think that's how it stacks up, though. Yeah, they're in there too. Baltimore, Baltimore Indy, Miami, Tennessee. Baltimore lost a heartbreaker on Sunday too. They're up late. Against that was a Kansas. really good game. Oh man, they blow so many opportunities in that game. Uh, Mahomes connects on that you know fourth and long play that just that they had no business converting, and you know Tyreek Hill just slips right underneath the coverage and gets it for a first down. Uh, Kansas City fumbles in overtime, and Baltimore yeah. goes to and Baltimore just boots the ball. I mean, a cl- clear. I mean, there was no one around that guy as he, and I think it was Terrell Suggs going to recover it, and he's just unable to go ahead and and wrap his body around the ball, and then it goes right back to Kansas City. They kick the field goal. Uh, Baltimore stalls. So with Robert Griffin in there, by the way. So yeah. Here, so I all of that's to say, I mean, we're a little scared tonight. It's late. It's it's already been a long week. It's only Tuesday. We're we're only human on this show. But a couple of questions I want to ask you, and it starts with: Are the Patriots going back to the Super Bowl this year, or do you think that they miss out this year? I think they miss out this year. Um, there, there's just something weird about them this year that they're not clicking on all cylinders. Their defense has been really ugly this year. Um, so I, I just don't think they have, I I don't think Tom, well, Tom Brady's still a great player, um, and definitely one of those top five guys of all time, um, between him and some of the, the Belichick stuff, like, I don't think they have the combination to, to get them there on their own. Um, so, you know, I, I think they'll, they'll lose to somebody in there. I don't know who, um. But I think they're gonna go down at some point. Well, I mean, they're in danger of not even being a top two seed, which would mean yeah. that I mean, one, I mean, the the playoffs for the first time in a while 
wouldn't go through Foxborough, which is huge because, I mean, especially in the playoffs, if you look at Tom Brady's record at home in the playoffs as opposed to away, big difference. Yep. yep. So unless if he's playing the, the Steelers for some reason, go figure. He just murders <laughs> that team that team regardless of venue. But, I mean, you look at it right now and – I I I wouldn't rule out New England like going to Arrowhead in the in the divisional round, um, assuming they get there, of course. And I mean, you have to figure they win at least one game, right? So I mean, yeah. if if you're just looking at scenarios, suppose they go to Arrowhead. Yeah, I mean, New I don't think New England's a a dog in that game. I mean, no. I mean, Kansas City doesn't play defense hardly at all. Uh, you got a young quarterback. I mean, Bill Belichick has made a absolute living off of confusing young quarterbacks who are hitting the playoffs for the first time, second time, third time, whatever. He manages to give them looks that just confuse the bejesus out of them. So that's one thing. Or suppose Houston ends up with that that number two seed. And I feel like even though those teams played in week one, and obviously that wasn't the same Houston team we have now, I think Houston's a team that's built to give the Patriots problems. So it's interesting. I agree with you. I don't usually like betting against the Patriots because I, I find that it usually bites you in the ass. But I don't, there's just a lot going on with this team that's weird. I don't really like their pass rush right now. As you mentioned, their secondary seems awfully flimsy. So, I mean, you, you got that going on. Uh, and their offense, it doesn't look cohesive, which is weird because, I mean, that's been, even though it's not always a, a point juggernaut, it always looks like a well-oiled machine. So, I don't know. I'm not really sure what to make of, of all this. So, who who is your favorite right now to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, I... I think it probably stays Kansas City just because that offense has been so crazy this year. Um, I am going to say Kansas City and New Orleans. Those are going to be my two. Yeah. Um, I think the Rams, they're, they're like the Yankees with less experience. So they spent a whole bunch of money, got a whole bunch of guys in there. Uh, Donald's crazy as ever. Um, they have a good defense. They have a good offense. but like. I just don't know if they have the experience and the situational know-how to overcome some of those crazy scenarios that good teams, Super Bowl teams overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm sticking with the Chargers. Just, I like their balance of offense and defense right now. I think getting uh, Joey Bosa back was a huge deal. Because, I mean, that, that Ingram-Bosa tandem is stupid. I mean, yeah. it, it it's really good. I mean, it's too. I mean, the legit's out or legit's out for the uh, the season, and then Perryman's out too, which is too bad because if those guys were in there, I mean, that would just be an absolute juggernaut of a, a defense. But they, I mean, they've endured in spite of their secondaries is still playing well, even though I mean, like Jason Verrett's always out. I mean, your boy Desmond King has really torn it up for them. Derwin James is an absolute revelation for those guys, which is funny yeah. because I mean, he was. I thought highly touted coming out of Florida State. I loved his game, and you know I hate that school. And mm-hmm. I just, I just thought that his game was outstanding. You know, he's he's a twitchy, he's a twitched up guy. But I mean, he's got a lot of, he's he's got he's got range, he's got length. Even though I mean, he he came in, um, certainly height wise shorter than 
than uh, he was listed at. But in terms of just his overall length, in terms of like arms and everything, like I just love the way he plays. The only thing I didn't know with him coming out of the draft is if there would be a team that would know how to use him. That right. was the biggest question for me. It wasn't about what he could do. It's about the NFL being dumb and not fun. Um, so, but the Chargers have done it, you know, and, and I think having some flexibility in the guys that they have and the formations that they can run um, is what allows him to just do what he needs to do. He's been one of Gus Bradley's best friends this year, you know? I mean, like, it's easy to make fun of, like, you know, Gus Bradley with what went down with Jacksonville and, I, and everything. But in terms of understanding players like Derwin James, I think Gus Bradley's a guy I would look to and say, like, yeah, he'll figure it out. He gets it. So, oh, yeah, for sure. So I, I'm sticking. I think that this is going to be the Rivers swan song. And I don't think he's going to have a better chance to go to the Super Bowl than this year. Because, I mean, last year that team was looking good late, but they had such a horrid start that, like, I mean, they just couldn't they just couldn't bail themselves out. And then they had that late season loss in Kansas city that really um, tied it, you know, and just pretty much took it down for them this year out, outside of the fact that they lost Kansas city in the first week, you know, had a dumb loss to Denver, a game they sh- should have won. You know, they're still, they're 10 and three. And I, you know, if they, and they really, they take care of business here. They could very well, the road to the AFC could go through LA. You know, that's not outside the realm of possibility here. So, which is insane. To I think. mean, that'd be interesting. You know, the road through the StubHub Center, all 33,000 people. Yeah. Wouldn't that just blow up in the NFL's face at that point? You just can't get which, enough people in there. It'd be hilarious if the road goes through the AFC West through StubHub Center and you get like 20,000 people watching playoff games because the LA market is so flooded. Yeah. As opposed to, um, you know, think about just, I mean, Arrowhead, like during a playoff game, that place is just an absolute zoo. So Yeah, I mean, I mean if the playoffs go through Arrowhead, like not only Arrowhead, but, um, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on it. Uh, the Royal Stadium, which is right next door. I'm sure yeah, they'll pack Hoffman. both of them on a playoff game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. I, it's interesting. Let's talk about the uh, just because I think that this is this is great to talk about. I'm always fascinated to hear as you know we're in the last month of the season and whatnot. What do you think of the NFC? I mean, you like New Orleans. Do you think New Orleans? It's an easy road for them, or do you see anyone giving them a problem? I think the NFC is weird. The NFC is like really good at the top. But the NFC is not good once you get past the the playoff teams, essentially. Um, I think everybody in the NFC there can cause problems for each other in the the playoffs there. But I don't know. Um, I'm actually looking up the standings right now because my brain. I can just tell you. Yeah. New Orleans took, took New Orleans is back to the number one seed after L.A. lost on. Uh, Sunday night, and then you got the Bears, who are on the doorstep of clinching the North, and then Dallas is right behind them as they're trying to, you know, clinch the East. Which, just despite a decent effort from Philadelphia last Sunday, looks like it's going to be the the Cowboys. Yeah, the wild card is where it's essentially just. I mean, it it was a it was a pretty, uh, I would say, um, crowded group for a little while, and then. Carolina lost five in a row. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that backed everything down. People thought Atlanta was going to make a surge. They haven't. Quite the opposite. They look terrible. Uh, Green Bay is pretty much DOA. So, unless something weird happens, it's probably... I mean, Philadelphia will be in there to contend for that last spot, but it looks like right now you're you're probably looking at Seattle and Minnesota. I think Philadelphia will challenge for that last spot. Like, the, the NFC, I think the top two teams with the Rams... And Saints, obviously, they can run with each other. We saw that already. Um, and then I think Chicago can cause problems for either of them, surprisingly, uh, if Trubisky's healthy and they got their offense running at full tilt. But then I think the rest of the teams are just going to show up to the playoffs and get kicked in the face and go home. Dallas, like, I- Dallas finds some offense, but, like, this is typical Jason Garrett Dallas. Like, they suck to start the year. <laughs> They play just well enough to make the playoffs or like just miss the playoffs so he keeps a job. Um, yeah. But they're not a good team. Um, I, I think, I think honestly, the Dolphins and Dallas are the same kind of quality at this point. And if the Dolphins went into the playoffs, I would not be sitting here telling you that they're going to make a run or anything. Um, I'd be happy with one win. But, you know, I think they're kind of on the same tier at the moment. I think that to your point, I think Chicago's the turd in the punch bowl. Yep. For for teams in the NFC because I mean they're if you're a fan of classic NFL football, that should be the team you're rooting for there. Because I mean they just I, I understand that the conditions I mean there was no I just want to make this clear to anyone who watched that game on Sunday night in Chicago. There was no wind whatsoever. It was cold that night, but LA could not have hit a better time to play by Lake Michigan in terms of wind. It is always windy down there. That's why it's so hard to quarterback down there. It's tough. I mean, the reason, I mean, yeah, Chicago has been inept in terms of drafting quarterbacks and whatnot, but there's only a concentrated group of people who could really go down to Soldier Field, which is right next to Lake Michigan. You got the wind just absolutely in your face all the time. It's nasty there, you know, for more than half the season, really. And I mean, it's tough to, tough to play in a place like that. So, all things considered, there was no wind the other night, and Jared Goff looked like he just didn't want to be there, which was interesting. I mean, people were like, oh, you know, he's an NFL quarterback, so even though he's a Northern California kid or whatever, or just a California kid, they were like, ah, we're not, you know, he should be okay. And then that game started, and Chicago was just on him. And, and the, the one thing, if anyone watched that game, is, uh, and if you're in the NFC, you're nervous about Leonard Floyd starting to catch fire for them. He was supposed to be like the X factor pass rusher for them before before there was a Khalil Mack in Chicago. No one's ever going to game plan for Leonard Floyd because you just I mean no team has the resources that they can allocate to double Khalil Mack, double Akeem Hicks inside, and then work on Leonard Floyd too. So if Leonard Floyd catches fire, that's a tough defense to play. And Eddie Goldman, which I don't know if people realize this, Eddie Goldman was in the backfield a ton the other night just because, I mean, he was, someone's got to be an afterthought when you're, when you're game planning for that defense. And I love defense. I really do. I understand it's, it's not the NFL way right now. I know that the casual fan isn't interested in watching low-scoring games. But there's nothing to me more frustrating than when your team scores in football and you know that they're going to give the, that score right back. 
Like that's frustrating to me. And I, I understand the casual fan wants to watch a shootout. I do not. So I appreciate teams like the Bears. I think their front seven is about as good as it gets in the NFL right now. I think Roquan Smith this time next year will be the best inside linebacker in football. You can at me on that or whatever they say <laughs> we, when, we, when the time comes. We need a hot take drop on that one. I think I think he will be. And I realize there's a lot of inside linebacker talent in the NFL right now. But from what I've watched of that guy, that is special range that guy brings to the table. And I mean, like he looks, he looks bigger too. Cause that was the big hang up with him at Georgia is that, I mean, when, when offensive linemen were getting to the second level, I mean, you could erase him cause he wasn't a big guy. You know, he was getting engulfed in those second level blocks. And now you watch him in Chicago and they, I mean, they're not even really hiding him that much. I mean, they blitz him a ton. He looks comfortable doing that. But like when people are trying to put a hat on him, he looks better handling that. I mean, he's able to peel off it too. I mean, he, looks stronger looks I don't think he's lost anything in terms of speed I mean the other night I mean he had a couple of uh, rear pursuit tackles that looked outstanding so I mean I know that I mean that's gonna that's a hot take for a lot of people but just watching him play that's a rare skill set at that position yeah I mean we we weren't hard to sell on that I don't think any Dolphins fan is hard to sell on that you know he he came in a little undersized because we we lived and died by Zach Thomas for a decade plus, um, so you don't have to sell us on that at all. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I mean, but there's a lot of really impressive inside linebackers right now in the NFL, and there's a this crop coming in with this draft. I mean, there's going to be more, even even more impressive prospects to throw into the mix. I mean, it's a lot of fun to watch that position right now, which is funny because when I was a kid. And I mean, I, obviously I'm dating myself here, but I mean, when I was really got in heavily into football, which would have been the early 90s. And I mean, like the middle linebacker position or the inside linebacker position. I mean, those guys were massive in terms of weight. Like you had to have a ton of weight. But I mean, like it's funny how the NFL has gotten away from that a little bit. I mean, they're willing to for they're willing to sacrifice a little bit of, of size if it means that you're adding it in terms of speed. So, I mean, I mean, the thought of like a, I mean, just in linebacker in general, the thought of Jerome Baker playing in the early 90s is almost unfathomable. But in today's NFL, I mean, like, I mean, you're flexible. I mean, you're able to go ahead and and contort and contour the personnel you have to what you're looking to do and vice versa. You're able to contour what you want to do based on the personnel that you have. I mean, when, especially when you have really fast, undersized guys. And then it turns into this whole thing where is he a safety? He's safety size, but he's playing linebacker. Or, you know, look at Derwin James. Derwin James is almost linebacker size back there. So uh, I got a lot of these, these hybrid type bodies in the NFL now. Roquan Smith doesn't, not quite in that mold because I think he's about 6'1. I think he's what, almost 240 yeah. now. So I mean, a like, lot of those guys fall in that, that like 6'1, 6'2, 235 is kind of like, the new inside linebacker. That's role. the average. Yeah, for sure. Agree. 100%. I think that's, and then, I mean, you get the, the more classic looking guys who are a little bit taller, a little bit longer. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch comes to mind. Yeah. Zach um, Cunningham. Yeah. I mean, guys who are, I mean, just bring a little bit more size and length to the position. So, I mean, and I mean, there's obviously uh, some other players who have come in the, 
as of late. I mean, like you look at these linebacker prospects and you're like, man, that guy's way taller than the guys that I see. So, but I mean, like you think about some of the really successful middle or inside slash middle linebackers in the game right now. Uh, Eric Hendricks is what, six foot? If that. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I hate using the, the term, but more or less an undersized guy. Bobby Wagner, uh, you, you would uh, you would put in there. I mean, yeah. not every guy you see is going to be uh, Dante Hightower yeah. size here. Yeah, I, yeah I obviously. Mean, it, I, not to transition off of this too much, but like I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Devin Bush from Michigan um, coming into this draft because he's there's a chance that he might be closer to five ten than he is to five eleven, um, and he's going to come in at you know five ten five eleven two thirty two thirty five, um, and we'll see how people think about him. But like he can run, you know. I think. The the prospect that bails out a guy like that who's coming in at with a un, undersized height is uh, Denzel Perryman. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it did just, I mean, guys who we used to look at and say, "Wow, that guy's really short." You know, I remember some guys you would watch play and just say, "Like, wow, I really like that guy's game." But I mean, I can't imagine playing at the next level because he's going to be so tiny. Yeah, I mean, so. it's it's been kind of nice in the past couple of years where a lot of us as fans that like to take a look at the draft when it comes around, there are guys that in college can just flat out play, and then they don't they don't even get a look at the NFL because the NFL for so long had such cookie cutter standards for every position. Like if you were a quarterback that was under six two, like you were too short, you know. Um, if you were a linebacker that was under six foot or under 230 pounds or even 235 pounds, you were too small. Um, you know, it, it got to a point where people were drafting guys like Pierre Desir, um, that just because they were six one and they had length, you know, I'll take, I'll take them in the third or fourth round, um, over a guy that's five ten, five eleven that gets the job done. Um, you know, I, we'll kind of see if, if that trend keeps going towards, all right, we're not worried about size as much as will you fit with us and can you get the job done? Um, especially in the corner department for this draft too, because your top two guys by most people's uh, understanding at this point are um, Greedy Williams, who's listed at 6'3", um, but he's light. He might be maybe 185. Um, I'd say he's a rail. Yeah, and, and then Baker out of Georgia, who there's a chance that he comes in under five eleven, um, but he's he's a good one ninety five. Like he looks beefy, you know, and, and he's he's my top guy over greedy just because I I like his technique and he gets the job done more often. Um, but you know, we'll see we'll see who goes first, um, and that'll kind of let us know where things are going in the NFL. Just, you know, while we're on this topic, because, I mean, I can't get enough of it, really. Um, actually, let's let's introduce this as like a little two part thing and then we'll kind of bring it back to the Dolphins and we'll wrap it up for the night just because you're not feeling well. And I'm going to pass out at some point and I'd hate to do that on air. <laughs> uh, as of right now, who is your favorite defensive prospect in this draft? Uh, at this point, it changes like every week. Um, That's OK. Just right now. 
I mean, I won't hold it to you, hold it against you in a month, but as of right now. As of right now, my favorite guy, well, let's let's set the stage for favorite here. My favorite flat out guy or my favorite guy that's realistic in the Miami kind of conversation? Both, sure. Um, Humor me. My my favorite guy flat out is is Ed Oliver and is gonna be Ed Oliver. Um, I like Josh Allen a lot too, but like, I've I've just liked Ed Oliver since he walked on campus. Um, he's he's a crazy athlete there. Um, I think if we're talking my favorite guy for the Dolphins in the potential range that they could be drafting, ideally they're picking either early playoff spot to fifteen or sixteen at this point. Um, while I would love to think that Christian Wilkins might be there, um, that's probably not going to happen. Um, so my next guy on the defensive line, um, would probably be Zach Allen from Boston college. I really like Zach Allen. Um, and I think he gives the flexibility to an even front team that on first and second down, he gives you those Will Hayes qualities. Um, crazy run stopper, had like 100 tackles last year. I think he had like 65 to 70 this year. Um, Double-digit tackle for a lost guy every year. Um, and then on passing downs, you can either – he he can play outside and rush, rush the passer. Um, he's not the most dynamic edge rusher um, on passing downs, but like – you can bump him inside and run that NASCAR package and like never look back. Um, you know, and I think in, in today's NFL where you're seeing a lot more 11 and 20 personnel kind of offenses, especially on third passing downs, um, like pull him inside, let him go. Um, so as of right now, that's kind of my, my defensive thinking. Low key. That guy, he might be my f- my favorite Dolphins prospect in this draft just because, I mean, you look at the skills that he brings and it's like, oh man, that's so something I'd love to see in Miami. But I I mean, something, the reason I bring all this up and I mean, we'll continue to talk about this, but one thing that you and I have mentioned off air a bunch, and I feel like it's okay to discuss this with other people, even though quarterback is a near consensus for fans in terms of what to look for for a draft pick, there's a lot of sick defensive prospects in this draft that, I mean, shore up a position of need on that side of the ball in a hurry if you go that route. So, food for thought and something that we're going to discuss probably ad nauseum going forward, but that's okay. It's ad nauseum yeah. for other people, not us. Uh, so, for the people listening, w- Chances you give that the Dolphins are the ones who end up with that six seed. You think people should have their hopes up or it was was this whole miracle thing on Sunday just a a brief reprieve? I think I think it's going to go one of two ways in my mind. Um, they're either going to be the Dolphins and they'll beat Minnesota on on Sunday, get everybody's hopes up and then drop two deuces versus the Jags and the Bills. Um, or they're going to not Miami, and I think they win out at that point. Um, so I, I really think the Dolphins' chances of making the playoffs and taking that sixth seed is a 50-50 kind of deal. Um, 
but at the end of the day, you know, I, I think we it's unfortunately as cliche as it is, like it's going to be a one game at a time kind of deal. Well, Minnesota's reeling right now, but I mean, the Dolphins got to find that that road mojo because the difference between their what they're able what they've been able to get done at home as opposed to what they've been able to get done on the road is I mean, there's a, a big gap yeah. between those two. So we'll see there. I like their chances on Sunday, though. I don't know why. I think that I think some people are expecting maybe a bit of a letdown after that emotional roller coaster they went through on Sunday, but I think they match up well with Minnesota. Minnesota just fired their offensive coordinator today. Um, so I mean, there's there's definitely some discord in terms of what they got going on in that coaching staff. I know they're trying to shore it up. It's weird that they've got this whole thing going on when they're they're trying to secure a playoff spot. But I think that plays to Miami's advantage. I think that they're flying high right now. Uh, you're hoping that you can get uh, a bit more, a bit more, a lot more production from your defense. I mean, you're going to need it going forward. And that's one thing we'll continue to talk about the ne- over the next couple of weeks, too. They have a really good nu- nucleus in terms of some of these positions on defense. Some really tough to acquire talent at positions they've got set. So, I mean, if they can go ahead and round things out a little bit, I can see this being a really good defense going forward, and I hope so. So, uh, you want to pick a score for um, Sunday? My prediction would be a Dolphins win, and I'm going to say it's going to be um, 24 to 17. I was going to say 23-16. So, that's funny. Yeah, I think that I think that Miami wins that game. I mean, they their road to the playoffs is paved in gold really. I mean, they're they're going to need some things to work out in their favor, but I mean, for them, I mean, you could, you couldn't really ask for a a more appealing uh backstretch here as they round out the season. So, um that's something to keep in mind. Two, as we're watching the games this Sunday, everyone around here is talking about Bears and Packers. I think that's going to be an exciting game. Chicago can right um, that horrible wrong they committed week one on Sunday Night Football when they had Green Bay just dead to rights. And then they let Aaron Rodgers come back in the game and just throw all over them in that second half. Really spoiled what was a, just a unbelievable debut by Khalil Mack. I don't think it's going to be like that this time. I think when Aaron Rodgers came out a couple of weeks ago and he was predicting that Green Bay was going to go on that huge run. Well, I mean, not really predicting, but talking as if they were going to. And he mentioned that we're going to go to Chicago where we've won multiple games. I don't think that was the right thing to say there. Uh, I don't know why he did that because of all the games he's played this season, Chicago beat him up the most. And that defense is humming about twice the efficiency it was in that week one matchup. So... I don't, I don't know, but I feel like that this is a big statement game for Chicago, more so than just locking up the division. I think that they can really uh, tilt this uh, rivalry in their favor, which it's not been that way for a very long time. And I think they can, they can right a lot of wrongs and go out there. This is a new Bears defense. This is the best their defense has looked in over a decade. So 
I think that's going to be interesting. There's, I mean, there's a lot of interesting games coming up. I mean, and the amazing thing is you get one on Thursday. Those games are usually just total throwaways. Unless you want to watch Derrick Henry throw a bunch of guys into the ground like lawn darts, which is fine too. But um, I mean, there, there's genuine entertainment in some of these games. So um, I think that that pretty much does it. I think are we missing? No, I mean, I think we hit the main points that we we wanted to hit. Um, plus, you're you're being exhausted as a dad, and me half dying over here. Um, I I think it's a good time to throw it in. Oh yeah, Did you that, take your NyQuil? I, I took the NyQuil about twenty minutes into this. I wasn't even waiting for the ten minute warning. <laughs> okay, well we're bad at the ten minute warning anyway. All right, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. This has been I Hate the Fins episode number eight. It was a little bit of a scatterbrain conversation tonight, but it's it's late. What do you want from us? Uh, we're gonna go ahead. I think we're gonna try to get this episode out on the the normal day that we're we're supposed to post which is Thursday. I think that's our day with uh, Finsider Radio and the Finsider uh, Podcast Network. I always forget what the proper name is for that. But yeah, you can find it. Um, we'll go ahead and we'll put it up on Twitter. That's typically how people can find our show. You'll get the link there. And then you can listen to us uh, sit here and make complete asses of ourselves. In the meantime, my name is Keith. As always, joined by my uh, co-host, Zach. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you soon. Good night. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, Homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.